And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. might be running for her life from some gigantic turned-on ape. Are you goddamn shamanist pig ape? Hello and welcome to the final episode of Two True Freaks King Kong Month. And of course, that would be the latest King Kong film, Peter Jackson's King Kong from 2005. And I am here with my Simeon co-host, Scott Gardner. <laughs> and, and Chris Chestbeater Tyler, the hair metal hero. Oh, I thought man. that was Wife Beater. Wife beater. Oh, please, there's no ring on my finger. (laughs) Tub thumper. I'm sorry, it's been a long day. I was out ripping T-Rex's jaws in half. (laughs) And then playing with their limp jaws afterwards. Yes. That's day well spent, if you ask me. And yes, this is is the the final episode of, of Monkey Month. It's Kong Month! Kong Month. (laughs) And uh, I've been really looking forward to this one. Um, I, it, it's weird. Um, this this movie, I, I haven't seen this since it was in the theater. Right. Since I saw it in the theater. And I was, you know, I'm, I'm a monkey movie fan. I was, you know, chomping at the bit for months waiting for this one to come out. And, uh, and... Over the years, it's been, what, seven years since it came out? And, like, the same year the movie came out, as soon as the DVD came out, I, I got the DVD for it, and it sat on my shelf. I have not watched it because it's so long that it's like, ah, oh, when I have a, you know, extra three and a half hours to hang out, I'll I'll watch it. And I just never got the chance till till I had to watch it for homework with this. And when I watched it, I realized that my opinion of it had like gotten worse over the years just because I hadn't seen it. You know, I I had thought worse of it than it actually was because I really enjoyed it all the way through a lot. And I remember actually it brought back to what how I felt about it when I saw it in the movie theater, which was 
I really enjoyed it. You know, not that I don't have complaints about it, but I, yeah, I'm, I, I went, and so I was thinking this show was going to be sort of like, yeah, we'll sum up all the other Kongs and, and, and this one will sort of be a framework, but I, I got a lot of uh, stuff to talk about just of, of this movie. I, uh, I actually had a similar experience because I, I saw that I've seen the movie one time start to finish and that was when it was playing in the theater and uh, I enjoyed it but with an awful lot of you know with caveats and stuff but ultimately I walked away pretty disappointed you know because there had been a lot of hype for this you know mostly the fact that it was Peter Jackson you know who was fresh off of all of his fame and success from the Lord of the Rings trilogy and, you know, he was really, he, you know, I, I find that there are to be a lot of comparisons between this and when uh, when Brian Singer did Superman Returns, you know, when there was all those pictures of Brian Singer holding up signs, you know, I love Superman and all that. And, you know, sure, his passion was, uh, you know, was very prevalent in the movie that he made. It just ultimately the movie just wasn't that good. That's kind of how I felt with with Jackson's Kong was that, yeah, you know, I could definitely tell that he was a fan. But at the end of the day, was it a good and satisfying movie? And my answer had to be, well, no, not really. So, you know, seven years distance away from the movie had made me think it was worse than it was. But like you say, I, I sat and I watched, you know, this special extended edition and I couldn't remember. I mean, I, I definitely was not familiar enough with it to be able to tell what was the added stuff and what was originally there. I, I really had no idea. And uh, for the most part, I was pretty engaged in the whole movie, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. You know, it still will never be my favorite version. I still like both of the prior ones much better. But there's a lot of stuff that to you know to enjoy about this. It's not. You know, I never thought it was a stinker. I just found it, you know, disappointing. But uh, I liked it a whole lot better the second time around. I really did. Well, I, <clears throat> it's uh, it's been a while since I've watched it, too. I, I did see it in the theater, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh, I got the extended version when it came out on DVD and watched it once or twice. Um, I mean, I had seen the, or, you know, the original and the 76 one as a kid. Never really revisited them, but... Uh, I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the the big monkey fun of uh, of this one quite a bit as well. It's a uh, it's pretty rip roaring once uh, once we get to Skull Island. So, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Plus more dinosaurs, so you can't go wrong with that. You see, I I feel bad because I thought I had the extended version of it, and what I really had was just the double DVD version of it. So I just had the theatrical release with a bunch of you know extras and and documentaries and stuff so I, I i did watch a few of the the scenes that they probably hacked back in you know on youtube as cut scenes so like there was a the whole scene in a river with you know with yeah. a serpent in the river attacking him that was really neat you know with some neat underwater um shots in it too that mm -hmm. um personally i would have cut out the the brontosaurus chase and maybe put that in you know in the in the theatrical if i would have had my druthers i thought it was a lot creepier plus it had a nice ending of when, when the last guy gets taken down by the 
the serpent, you know, um, um, Jack Black sitting there filming it all, and the one guy turns to him and he's like, "You got all that, you know?" Just Popeye. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. guy's totally Popeye in the movie. He's even doing the the squinky eye. Yeah, he's got the whole attitude too. Yeah. I don't know. I think he was secretly in love with Cookie though. <laughs> he, he got he got all broken up over Cookie's death. Yeah, Cookie there was, was something going on there with those two. I'm I yeah I'm not sure exactly what that was. Well, that that was one thing I noticed is in in the original Kong when we you know if anybody I I don't know if everybody has that short attention span, but at the beginning of the month when we talked about the thirty three Kong. And just sort of the racism in it. And then we got to 76 and we're like, okay, they took care of a lot of the racism in in this one and replaced it with like, you know, a little sexism. But some of the racism is back in the Jackson's in the Jackson Kong cookies, cookies, even more. He's got the like braids and everything, you know, and is is back to being kind of an Asian stereotype. And uh, the natives are sort of stereotype. The actual natives are sort of stereotype voodoo, and then the natives that they have in the in the theater are just you know, <laughs> copies of yeah. the original natives, you know. So it's it's back. It's like, hey, but that was that's actually part of the charm of this movie is it really went back to 1933 and the whole feel of it, you know, and the look the look of it especially. Yeah, I dig that a lot about it. I think that was one of the things that initially. That was one of the things that bugged me a lot about it was that I felt like Jackson and, and his whole team did such a phenomenal job of really recreating that world and really selling it that this was taking place in the 30s. You know, the CGI stuff with CGI New York and all that looks fantastic. Um, you know, the the lead, what is her name? Naomi, is it Watts? Yeah. Naomi Watts. You know, that was Anne. She was great. The guy that plays kind of the the jerk, you know, leading man who kind of comes around to be a little bit more heroic toward the end. You know, her love interest, you know, Jack Driscoll. I thought everybody, they all kind of have a classic Hollywood look. I mean, they all really sold it. But what snaps me out of, re, you know, snaps me back to reality with this movie is the casting of Jack Black. I just... It's not like I dislike him or anything. I mean, I don't think he's a very good actor, but I got nothing personal against the guy. But just the inclusion of him in such a, a big and important role in the movie, he just, I'm sorry, that guy doesn't look, he looks completely out of place in the 30s scenes to me. And it just kind of spoils the illusion. You know what I mean? He And, and it's... It's not that he didn't try either. He right, I mean, yeah. He he actually did put in a really good performance, and he was he was particularly like kind of amoral and kind of a scumbag. The way he would keep promising to give all the money to the guy's family and stuff, but yeah, you're right. His look and plus it's Jack Black, and he was so in every movie at that point. He was in <laughs> right, a million exactly. billion movies and on on HBO and. He had records out and stuff, so it was just like there's Jack Black and and yes, you're you're right. I I and it's and it's not Jack Black's fault. It's the yeah the casting. I actually don't decision. mind him in it. I think he pulls off uh, smarmy and uh, enthusiastic quite well. 
it's it, it doesn't take me out of it you know it doesn't it do, it wasn't like a, a deal breaker for me but it was definitely something i noticed that like you know if there was another a, another actor in there he might have I might have thought of him more as that character than as Jack Black, you know. It's right. Not... Yeah. Right. And, exactly. And he was playing back his his over, you know, sort of modern the the modern day Robin Williams type of, you know, he was dialing it back for this movie, but it's still, you know, just when you see his face, it's it was, it, it was sort of like you know back when John Belushi was alive and you put John Belushi in a movie, there's John Belushi, you know, so. Yeah, I thought that was probably the only thing close to a casting misstep in the whole movie. Though all the acting was just, you know, to perfect in, in tone and and worked, you know, all all around. All the characters were either you know you either liked them or hated them like you were supposed to. <laughs> yeah, there's really not too many people to dislike either. I, you know, I, I kind of like no. everybody that's on that boat. <laughs> You know, you don't want to see yeah. any of them die. In 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 some yeah, in in some ways, like the only guy who was kind of the foil was the was the actor guy. But he does he redeems himself. Yeah, right. Yeah. A bit towards the end, only to to become a total dick again in New York City. Yeah. By claiming all the credit, you know, but that that was to be expected. But I one of the things that in the seven year hiatus between viewings. I had always thought about I, I've always talked about doing like a fan edit of this where I cut it down alongside the original King Kong. So all the beats of it sort of go in the same time period right. and it's a, a shorter, more more lean and mean movie. But I forgot and I and I and I remember this it, reading the reviews of it before going in and they were like, it takes a long time to get to the to the island and uh there's the uh one of our one of our listeners posted a song you know where the uh, that was yes. the basic premise of it was get to the fucking monkey don't get me wrong i love jack black adrian brody is great naomi watts is delightful my friends but i didn't come here to see any of it get to the fucking monkey Surgery, is it? Why can't it just be something like this? Opening credits. We're in a boat. There's an island in the distance. We hear a roar. It's King Kong. He jumps on the boat and starts smashing stuff. End of Act One. Act Two, the whole middle section of the film, goes for about 10 minutes. Naomi Watts doing gymnastics. Act Three, New York. 
King Kong starts smashing stuff. There's a short sex scene between King Kong and Naomi Watts. Um, it's tasteful though, uh, it's behind a screen. You just see it in silhouette. <laughs> Suddenly, Roy Scheider appears. He throws a cylinder of oxygen into King Kong's mouth and he shoots him and he explodes at the end. Get to the fucking monkey! Get to the fucking monkey! Other films which would benefit from getting to the motherfucking monkey! <laughs> Titanic! Opening scene. Iceberg smash! Sinking, sinking, sinking! Drown, Leo, drown! Roll credits. Boogie Nights. <laughs> Opening credits. We see his cock. <laughs> the end. Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope. Original 1977 cinema release. Perfect. Don't change it. <laughs> Upon the second viewing, I realized I enjoy that long opening. I enjoy being in the world of first of New York City and then of like poor New. You know, you get you get the, you know, the breadline side of it. Yes. Plus, you get the glitzy glamour side of it, and you get life aboard a tramp steamer. And I, I mean. He he kept all the characters interacting and you know the story moving enough that I never got I never got like come on let's move this along let's get let's get to the let's get to the big monkey let's get to the big monkey I was actually interested and engaged. See, I think there's a difference though between watching this you know at home on the couch at your convenience, knowing that eventually okay this movie is long enough and I have an idea what's coming that I I'm eventually going to get plenty of Kong so I'm fine as opposed to the first time you see it in the theater. And I don't know about yeah. you, but when I saw this in the theater, I definitely had that, you know, I, I kept sitting there, you know, rolling my hands going, come on, come on, well, you know, get just get there already. So, yeah, I, I think it, in the theater, it suffered from an overly long beginning. But like you say, watching this again, you know, at home, I, I, I liked the beginning. I actually probably liked you know, everything leading up to getting to the island, the best. That was actually well, probably my favorite part of the movie, actually, because that was where all the character development was. Well, I wouldn't say it was my fa fa favorite. Well, the, the thing about that is uh, watching it again actually reminded me that I actually did like it the first time. But, like, the thing about the first part of it is all there's definitely, uh, like, just once they hit Kong Island, a shit ton of cool stuff happens. Yeah. Right. But that's, but from that point on, that's the that's the chunk of the movie where if I what my complaints about the movie lie in that part of the movie, in that first hour and a half, I don't really have any. I mean, I guess I could 
argue if I had to that it was too long, but I didn't I don't I like living in a world like that if it keeps me keeps me feeling engaged in it and it does. So like that first half of the movie there's really nothing to complain about. Maybe you know that they they're using Jack Black, but like the parts when when the things that did annoy me about this movie all happened once they got to Skull Island and you know between then and the end. Right. But then again, a lot of insanely awesome stuff does happen. He he does stay true to the original King Kong where where Skull Island is a deadly you know every inch of it is filled with death that is represented by the state of the art of whatever movie special effects are in that day <laughs> right you know to make it yeah. to make it as realistic as possible and he did capture the spirit of it, bloody rampage of the first movie that you know the uh, so, you know where oh it's whatever it's a chase it's adventurous but then it would end with like horrible death for so, you know somebody <laughs> would get chewed up and spit out or and uh he kept that in there you know there's there's you see things get ripped in half and with with dangly guts hanging out and a good good amount of blood you know i mean he keeps it was this PG thirteen? I think so. Mm, I think so. Yeah. You know, he keeps it in in some sort of PG realm, though. But it's but still, there's shocking moments of violence in it, and and all that. So, I mean, I'm happy with a lot of it, but yeah, I mean, I could. Yeah, there's there's only two major things that like if I had my way, if I had if I was working on the movie, I would have said take that out and work on that. And everything else are just like a nitpick here and there. What what would those scenes yeah. be? Well, the one would, first one's the Brontosaurus chase. Yeah. Um, I think it's 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 like over the top. Peter Jackson loves to go over the top. You know, his early movies were all sort of over the top, and this is like, okay, I got a zillion dollars to do it. But you know, there there's a lot of parts where you know these things are kind of realistic but just the fact that these guys are running in between the legs of the brontosauruses which is ridiculous it was sort of like i was like okay i can see how this is like going to be worked into the video game and then you get the sort of raptor things chasing them and and jumping between the legs and every everything's sort of like a rube goldberg setup you know and it's it's just it's just too much you know and then they're running along the edge of a cliff he's just like taking every iteration of it and that didn't work for me when when he's just fighting you know a t-rex or two and it's just a primal battle yes it's it's and the other one I would have taken out is when the two T-Rexes and Kong fall into that uh, chasm with cat's all the cradle. vines in them. In the cat's cradle. Yes, I it's a great, hate that part. Yes. Great, it's yeah, like, a, it's like a video game. It's like he's setting up, okay, and now I'm going to make him swing back and forth like pendulums with one almost grabbing her. And, you know, and the special effects were nice, but it was just, it wasn't, it didn't feel realistic it felt like a fantastical cartoony it was too cartoony video game i actually like that scene because it's just the out of the frying pan into the fire moment yeah well like that like she can't catch a break 
Yeah, no, that's the olive. That's Skull Island in general. It's just like you know, it's one frying pan and fire after another. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it is better watching him just do his monkey foo on all the dinosaurs, but. <laughs> but I, I those scenes sort of like were just a little too sculpted and you know intricately, you know, crazy, and. At, towards the end, I would have. Uh, we we should probably talk about it more towards the end of when we get towards to the end. But the the death of Kong could have been about half as long as it is, and it would have been just as, if not more, powerful. I mean, I still. I I mean, I'm telling you, I teared up in the theater, and I tear up towards the end of this when when he's going down. But it's it's kind of that Yoda moment, you know, where it's just like after the fifth. Okay, it's just like what? Come on. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, they 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 drag that out. But pretty much, almost everything from there is pretty wonderful. I, I don't like when he goes into like shaky, stuttery cam slow mo. Yes, that he the does MTV the stuff. Beginning. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like I that don't at like all. That either. No, sir, I don't like that. But that that sort of. That sort of only happens at the beginning of Skull Island, and then it stops after a while, so it doesn't become an annoying regular thing. So that that was really good. I like I love all the 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 way he works in all his references to you know the old movies. He even has I mean flat out reference to Cooper, you know, yeah. basically making King Kong and. And I have this. I have this written down. What was it? Was this like Kenny K Orchestra or something? Or she was like in the Kenny K Review or something, which is two Ks. Yeah. Ah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. You know, he even but, has a reference to one of his own movies too. In there, when they're in the hold of the ship, there's a sign that says uh, "Sumatran Rat Monkey Beware," and that's from uh, one of his first movies uh, called uh, "Dead Alive." Oh, Dead Alive. I saw that. I, I've only seen that one once. That's another example of... that. I mean, you can see his over-the-topness oh, in yeah. those early movies. And, and um... Oh, what was the other one with the lawnmower and the... Uh, that's Dead Alive. That's Dead Alive, okay. And Meet the Feebles and, <laughs> yeah. and all that. That's it's, it's funny seeing his progression from that stuff and stuff did heavenly creatures and the frighteners and it was just yeah good stuff i've never i've never seen heaven heavenly creatures but it's, yeah i yeah it's very good i just i just thought like for in in skull you don't really like this stuff actually felt like filler like the brontosaurus scene actually felt like like the highest budget filler that you've ever seen in your life but still filler you know it was just like I think he was just trying to I mean you know there was supposed to be dinosaurs chasing them in the original I think he was just trying to throw right. everything in that they didn't get to in the original one you know that's okay right. I, I have no no problem with that and I love that he put the bug sequence in oh, there in, in so the gross. chasm it's so that I mean that's so and then when the you know and he uses that good sort of it's almost trite the way they go into like a little bit of slow motion and the really sad music you know no no sound of you only you only hear like a dull pop of the 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 guns so it basically is like playing like 
this is everybody's death now. <laughs> yeah. I'm playing the nobody gets out alive music. And because it just, I mean, there, there's lots of times in movies where it's like, oh, how are they going to get out of this? But that's one of those things where you just look at it and you're just like, oh, they're, they're, they're doomed. <laughs> that, uh, that scene in the pit with the bugs has got one of my favorite, one of my two favorite moments in the Italian movie. When that poor schmuck starts climbing up that vine and that thing just reaches out and <laughs> sucks him in and you're just not expecting it. <laughs> Makes me piss my pants laughing. I feel so bad for the guy. <laughs> it's when like... the slug, slugs get a hold of Popeye, yeah. they, got, it, they got his feet and they got his head, and then there's two other slugs that are just sort of like poking at his belly like, oh, I wonder if there's a soft spot here. That was really creepy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a bug fan. Yeah, it had it had something to creep out everybody in, in that movie. And Aside from the creeping out stuff, though, all the, I mean, let, let's talk about Kong himself. Kong's fucking awesome in this movie. Yes. I mean, every the design of him and the acting and everything is amazing. I like that he always has, like that he's like Pigpen actually. He's always got like like dust and bugs circling yeah. him around him like a real gorilla. I mean, they really like. The way he beats his chest, the way, just the way he breathes, just like, and and that sort of, there's gorillas have this sort of flat, bored demeanor when they're just sitting and looking, that they captured perfectly, and you know he could have and and to his great credit he could have gone totally over the top with how King Kong acted. But he kept it real close to the bone of a real gorilla, like when he was laughing and stuff. That's my second. Real... That's my other favorite part is when he just breaks down laughing at Anne. Yeah, and, and that could have been totally cheesy, but that's how. Uh, like I've seen documentaries where real gorillas will laugh like that, and where they'll do things and they'll they'll be laughing and and they played it like a real gorilla, and that was the magic to. And I noticed. You know, the progression of original King Kong, Kong 76, to this movie of playing up the friendship between her and uh, Kong. Because, yeah. boy, it's 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 played up the most in this one, which also, to his credit, could have been really cheesy. But it turned out actually working really well. You know, I, I understand why she bonded with him because he basically saved her ass yeah. many many times okay he was definitely going to take her and and dismember her and possibly eat her but he decided not to because she's a good juggler but after that he's pretty he pretty much you know she wouldn't have got off skull island alive yeah between centipedes t-rexes and those iguana things yeah, I, I, I really do like the uh, the Anne and Kong relationship in this quite a bit. It's uh, yeah, they're very they're just like you can tell. I mean, I, plus like you're getting a very hero Kong in this. You can tell Peter Jackson loved the monkey more than anything else. Yeah, because you know he's really not a bad guy in this one at all. <laughs> like you really feel bad when he dies. No, he's a he's a total victim in this in this one, and it's funny because this one's putting it back in 1933 land instead of modern times, where, um, yeah, where it's just, you know, where 
most of the people are like, ah, he's just a dumb, dumb monkey, which actually everybody pretty much is, except for, for Anne and, um, and I want, what is it? Jack, Dris Jack Driscoll. I always yeah, get him in, and pretty much everybody else is just like, well, shoot the monkey. Love that monkey. I like the shot when he goes into also for as to more character development. The shot where he goes into his home and you see all the dead, yeah. other dead Kongs laying there that he's outlived, and one obviously was his mate. You know, the one that's sitting in the in the doorway. And when he walks in with Anne, he stops and looks at her, and he's just like, ah. <laughs> "Yeah, you you always know what this Kong is thinking. Mm -hmm, every mm -hmm. every mannerism that he has, like after he beats the shit out of those T Rexes." And he just fucking puts his arms down. He's like, yeah, bitch, I just killed yeah. you all. He's like, you yeah, know yeah. exactly what he's thinking the whole time. It's great. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he thinks about it for a couple seconds before he's like, and you know what? Wrong! Beats his chest. I yeah. love it. It's just, <laughs> but it's done I just like the design, subtly. too, where he's, you know, he's got bite marks in him and scars. And it's like, you can tell he's just been living on this island, just kicking the shit out of everything for years. For a long time, yeah, he's not King Kong for nothing, yeah, and 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 you know, and with it's funny because it's CGI from seven years ago, and usually that doesn't hold up very well, and the and you can see some of the the seams and stuff, yeah, in in this, but it's also the way Peter Jackson plays it, and. uh and it's also very smart using the Andy Circus, you know, uh, motion capture thing because, yeah, I, I think this Kong will stand the test of time just like the other one is where people are going to go, oh, this is just terrible, you know, early aughts, mid aughts. Yeah, CGI. I think it'll stand up too. I mean, you can always, it's, it's the eyes. They, you know, there's something behind this Kong's eyes that, you yes. can't deny like he, he's alive yes he's a real gorilla and he also and also we have the benefit of year of our whole lives of pbs and the nature channel yeah right. seeing documentaries about gorillas to get there that you know uh, the part where it, it's funny because i was like i actually knew that the word for it when he was pulling down the the trees and eating the i'm like oh he's browsing that's <laughs> <laughs> That's what gorillas do. They browse on, on leaves. But he's pulling down whole trees and just like, time to eat now. You know. Yeah. I've just killed a few things. Time to, time well, that, to have some roughage. That guy that did the mocap isn't that the same guy that would go on to do Caesar in uh, yep. Rise? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and and he and he did Gollum too. He's so also he's like, Popeye. I I look at him as almost kind of the new. Ray Harryhausen, or, you know, or what we're gonna get—the closest thing we're gonna get to a Ray Harryhausen. Now, unless there comes out somebody who's just a master of computer CGI who can program what Andy Circus puts into it, but you know, he puts real—he's a really good physical actor. I mean, and Caesar, Caesar in that Rise of the Planet of the Apes was fantastic he was cgi and he kind of looked cgi but he worked the mannerisms and stuff so you accepted him yeah as right. a real yeah. character even if he was a little wonky now and then when he'd jump and stuff it didn't matter he had 
you could tell what he was thinking and what he was feeling. Right. The same with Gollum. That's why people went berserk, you know, with went because right they didn't even they didn't even really show Gollum out out of the shadows in the first movie. No. And and Gollum was you know of course one of the characters that everybody was waiting to see how they handle how Gollum was going to come out because he was just the most fantastical character that had to be on screen for the most time and they pulled it off even with the even further back CGI yeah all because of Andy Serkis so I I look at him as the new Harryhausen or you know which is appropriate to put him in a King Kong even though you know Harryhausen wasn't in the original didn't do the original Kong he did didn't he work on Mighty Joe Young I think was where he was basically starting but still you know it gives that that extra depth that a good you know model animator used to give it you know when their when their characters would have life to them and yeah it's, yeah, it's it not works. like he's just a mimic either i mean it's he's doing a whole performance it's pantomime yes. you know it's it, he's he's a rare breed it's like Ron Perlman is the guy you get when you need somebody to act in makeup. Andy Serkis is the guy you get when you need to have something that just can't exist. <laughs> right, right. That you can't put somebody in a suit for. And then, I mean, that guy must be getting used to having, like, a wetsuit with, with ping pong balls glued on it. So, yeah. you know, by now. But that would be a sweet gig to have is just, you know, get to get to be. Yeah, in, in a way, it, he's almost like the new Rick Baker, too, you know, because it was always like, who's in the monkey suit? Rick Baker? I'm going to see that. <laughs> um, let me see. Let me look look through some of my uh, other. I like that they bring up the old Arabian, the fake Arabian prop. Um, yeah, I like that. Too. That was sweet. Which I know, uh, thanks to Luke Giaconetti, you know, I I knew it was fake, which makes it extra funny when, you know, he brings it up and you're just like, oh, man, you are so full of shit. Oh, here's another thing that I found completely implausible, and that's when we get to New York City. Um, And, you know, before Kong climbs the tower, you have the Marines driving around with cannons. <laughs> blasting cannons into people's like you see whole apartment buildings like boom like windows blown out and it's just like there's people in there like listening to their radio just like honey there's a giant gorilla running and then a cannon hits their their wall it's like i i really don't think it's plausible that you would have the marines driving through new york city you know firing live ammo up into the buildings it made for an exciting chase yeah but com completely implausible, especially since almost everything about New York City. I don't know. I was never in New York City in 1933, but boy, you sure feel like it. Right. Yeah. Watching this even more it's... so than like actual movies filmed in New York City oh, in 1933. Yeah, that was so, a that was an achievement and a half what they did with that. Yeah, Times Square was was beautiful and, and scott did you notice there was a uh a woolworths no there? i didn't i didn't see that but i did you know i was really paying attention to the background watching things in the background yeah yeah i i love the level of detail i thought that that was that was just phenomenal yeah the uh the sign was for amos and andy 
Amos and Andy too. Speaking of back to the racist, <laughs> you know. To, but um, and yeah, and they had a there. There was one point where they were near a Woolworths, which was awesome. Woolworths actually got started. The first Woolworths was in Watertown, New York. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I remember when we had a Woolworths there. I didn't know that's where it started. That's pretty cool. I remember when that Woolworths was... went out of business. Yeah. The the Woolworths that we went to wasn't the the first Woolworths was where it was in that building where the cigar shop, you know, the magazine bookstore was. Hmm. It was in that old near the building. arcade. Yes, and then it and then it moved into that mall building because it was bigger and swankier. Hmm. I did not know that. Huh. I had a few notes on this one. My my biggest one being uh, the score for this. Um, I mean, I, I'm a big James Newton Howard fan anyway, but uh, man, the, the score to this is phenomenal. He uh, he really did a fantastic job of you know creating a score that was both you know it sound you know when you get the Kong theme. Mm. It sounds like a giant monster movie, but then he he tempered it with something that's also you know kind of haunting and sad and kind of romantic at the same rate, and uh, it, it's just it's a really really fantastic score. Well, it's a long movie. He had a lot of stuff to do, and he had a and he covers. He's all over the place as far as tone and mood goes. There's there's little comical beats, and there's. Mm-hmm. You know, there's whimsical, humorous music, and there's fighting music. So he had to go all over the place, and it's seamless all the way through. Yeah, I agree. I think the the soundtrack was awesome for this. And yeah. he was not the original be. composer chosen either. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, Howard Shaw, fresh off of working with Jackson for The Lord of the Rings, was tapped to do the music. And he's also the conductor at the end of the orchestra in the, uh, in the theater. Oh, that's um, funny. But uh, yeah, apparently just wasn't giving Peter Jackson what he wanted, so they probably See, I wondered, on that. I wondered about that because you know Howard Shore did all three of the of the Lord of the Rings movies, so I I did think of that during the course of watching this again. I was like, hmm, I wonder why he didn't you know reteam up with uh, with Howard Shore. So that's funny that uh, yeah yeah well, I'm not the biggest Howard Shore fan. I I think his Lord of the Rings uh, scores work during the movie when you're actually watching the movie. Separately, I find, you know, away from the movie, I find them to be very boring soundtracks bordering on unlistenable, you know? I find the, I find the Celtic aspect of it. I'm not a big fan of, like, I like Irish drinking songs and stuff <laughs> like that. You and me both, right? brother. But the, but the Celtic, like, Oh, you know that sort of like um, lucky charms. Uh, no, not not the not the not the <laughs> clean as a whistle. <laughs> not not like that. I'm, I'm nah, talking I like the scores like the, for those. They're not. Like there the are t- some dead dead parts to them, but I think he gave us one of the best uh, evil marches in a long yeah. time. The yeah. the the Saruman and orc music is driving and intense in that yeah i do like it's that, that it's that celtic titanic movie that really like well that was james <laughs> drags my nuts. Come on. yeah if james horner scored those movies that's all it would have been it would have been my hack will go on for fucking nine hours 
Well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I both agree and I disagree because one of the things that I, I think initially detracted from my enjoyment of this when I saw it in the theater and it, it threatened to do it on the rewatch too, at least for maybe the first, I don't know, 20 minutes or half hour or what is just that feeling when the movie first starts of, didn't I just see this? Because I was a big fan of the remake of mighty Joe young from a few years ago. The, you know, the CGI version of that with, um, um, was that, C- was that CGI? I thought they had a man in a suit for that. Was it? Uh, you might. I think it was CGI. You might be right. I'm. I'm. I'm not sure, but I really, really enjoyed that movie. A uh, Bill Paxton. That's the name I was struggling to remember. Bill Paxton was in that. And see, James Cameron scored that one. And while I really enjoy that score, you know what? Now that you th- you say that. It it is a little bit of that same type of thing that you're talking about. That kind of, but in that one, it's not so much like Celtic or anything. Is it? It's a lot of like tribal, like I don't know if they're going for like a tribal African feel or something. But that's kind of what it's like. They keep coming back to this same motif over and over again of the of the song that the little girl was singing at the beginning of the movie, and it get it does. It is a little bit too much, you know, my heart will go on type of thing in that one. But it's still a good score. I, I like that movie a lot. And uh, so I, you know, the the whole CGI Kong thing just didn't impress me as much as it might have had Mighty Joe Young never come along. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'll tell you, I'll give this film one huge... Uh, <clears throat> huge thing though is that this is the first kong movie you know of the three that we've gotten so far you know the 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 original you know the 33 and the 76 you know not counting any of the other stuff you know the peripheral stuff with kong this is the first one i actually would like to see a sequel to i would love to find out what happens to you know the the principal players and just generally like the the world in general after kong you know because this is the one that really developed the characters the most, you know, to where you really got to know Anne and kind of a little bit of her backstory and kind of her motivation and, and where were the characters headed. And as much as I didn't care for, for Jack Black's portrayal uh, of the character he was playing, I liked the character. You know, if that makes the any sense was at all. Spot on. And the no, part, you know, toward on. the beginning of the movie where, you know, the captain was threatening to turn back and everything. And he had that moment where he where he was just confiding to Driscoll that yeah, this is it. I, this is going to ruin me. Made me start thinking about him after the end of the movie. You know what? What happens to him after that? I mean, he you know, through the whole course of this movie, he was very good about landing on his feet and being able to turn situations to his advantage and everything. But when he's left at the end of this movie, he's got no more leverage. You know, Kong's dead. You know, there's all this destruction and death and everything. Ultimately, he's responsible. You know, what happens to him now? And we're never going to know. In real life? In real life? Prison. Prison, Prison. yeah, I know. But but he's the kind of character that you like to think that no he's pretty clever and he's a shyster maybe he's got a way that he can 
he can work all this to his advantage. And, uh, and maybe if he doesn't necessarily recover, he at least avoids going to jail. How does that happen? You know what I, I mean? And, and that's a story I, I'd kind of like to see. I don't think there's any way that happens. I mean, Kong killed Kong had to kill at least 50 people just getting out of the theater. At alone. least. Right. At least, you know, and then the damage to the Empire State Building. Six six planes. He's going to jail. But, but <laughs> well, you see, by that po- by that point, it might be the it might be the um, studio's problem too, though. You know, at, right. at that point, you know, it might be it might come down to the guy who fashioned the chains for Kong. You know, who gets the brunt of the lawsuit. But they were chrome steel. <laughs> Everyone knows chrome steel is the strongest steel of of all. Yes. If they would have used adamantium, they would have been, there would have been no problem. Or if they wouldn't have waved a blonde in front of him, you know, that's that's yeah. always dumb. It and and it's not Dan. Yeah, that was a great scene, by the Let's way. Let's piss off this didn't... giant monkey we have. That girl looked familiar from something else too, but I don't, I couldn't place her from you know where I knew her from, but she definitely looked familiar. Uh, Kong didn't trust her as far as he could throw her. Did you see the face Ooh. he made when he see when he realizes it's not Anne? He has this look like, "Ooh, you're ugly." I want my friend well, back. What, yep. What's awesome about that though is there was a great sort of physical gap. It was a horrible, like, not horrible as in bad, but horrible as in horrifying physical gag, where he runs out and you just realize at that time period how many like blondes there were like her. In New York City, because he just starts <laughs> grabbing them everywhere. It's like, there's one, there's one, nope, 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 and just slinging them over his shoulder. It was, it was a great little, uh, little, uh, I don't know, critique of the time or observation of how many blondes there were, and that, yeah. especially in that part of New in the theater district of New York City in 1933. Uh, speaking of flinging blondes over his shoulder, did did you think that? I I had the impression that he threw Anne around a little too freely and a little too much in this movie. I mean, you know, the, the CGI looked good and everything, but at the same rate, I mean, there were a lot of scenes that I thought, you know, by the end of that scene, she'd be dead. She'd have broken neck or just been oh, jelly. Yeah. From Everybody all the that, falls and throwing around. Everybody I mean, in that movie. The parts where he's, like, holding on to her, and then just running full tilt through the forest, it's like, how could a human being survive that? You know, he had a he had a light touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. He just knew how to do it correctly. He he he'd perfected it over you know, the last two hundred and fifty brides of Kong. I mean, just the fir- I love that first scene where he gets her back to his house and he's just standing there shaking her around like a Barbie doll, just like. Look what I've got, and he's just like shaking her back and forth, and that probably would have, like, you know, given her, turned her into Muhammad Ali. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. A little bit well, of she was also shock. a tumbler, though. So that's true. She was a physical comedian, so she did know how to take a fall, and uh, and you know, a prat fall. So maybe that that did help. But yeah, but everybody in that movie really like sort of withstands physical endurance and abuse more than you know i mean for christ's sakes they fall into that pit the, the, the you know the only reason they live is they're catching vines 
But, you know, in reality, all their shoulders would have been pulled out of their, you know, their arms would have been pulled out of their sockets. And even and before that, forget dislocated. the pit with the, with the brontosaurus running. I would have been the first one stepped on. <laughs> They're running for like five minutes straight. Five minutes straight with and jumping and kicking. And, you know, that basically they're sort of running from the minute. That, that's sort of Skull Island is, is pretty much run for your life from the beginning. I mean, there were just, you know, I mean, you, you accept it as King Kong World that you could have somebody with a machine gun shooting bugs off another person. And it's his first experience with a machine gun and all that. And nobody gets winged with a, uh, uh, you know, a stray bullet and you know there's just there's a lot of that it's just gotta hey that was a Thompson like submachine gun those things are accurate <laughs> <laughs> but there's some point but the thing about it is he throws in that stuff but then all of a sudden he'll throw stuff in that may not actually be physically realistic but just looks realistic or looks logical it, like when he's sca- when he's scaling the Empire State Building and the planes are first shooting at him and he starts, you know, swinging like a monkey around and keeping himself protected from the planes, you know. And right. the first plane that he gets when he, you know, he looks at it and you can see him timing his jump. He's waiting to time that jump and gets the, the wing of that plane. That just had a really very realistic feel to it, you know, and... And when 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 you throw that in with all the fantastical stuff, it just adds that extra punch when it does happen. Yeah, that scene, oh, him on him on top of the Empire State Building, that is just like it's so rad. <laughs> Especially when he gets a hold of that one plane and swings it around, swings it around and just chucks it into another plane. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at that point in the movie theater, I was probably jumping up and down and just going, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Like, in yes, this one, monkey. I wanted Kong to beat the shit out of the planes. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I yeah, like yeah. him in this one. Oh, yeah. he. I mean, it's the most... I mean, this Kong, even... You, you, can, you know, I mean, you can tell what he's thinking through his eyes and his body language. But by the time he's he he gets his little rest at the top of the Empire State Building, he actually speaks. He actually tells her it's beautiful up here. You know, he he copies her hand motion. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so by that time he's he's actually got you know dialogue of sorts. You know, so yeah, this is definitely. Um, the Dino De Laurentiis, uh, they're going to cry when the monkey die in this one. And Peter Jackson knew that they were going to cry, though. That's what. That's the only part that really, like, really yanked my chain is he milked it. It's like, we know you're going to kill the monkey, man, but come on. Just don't keep pumping bullet bullets, you know. Well, well part of the – I don't know. I think it works because by the time he, he's done protecting Anne from stray bullets and everything – it really is her that kills him because he just can't stop looking at her. And then that last plane comes in and shoots the shit out of him. You know, she really did kill the beast, whether she wanted to or not. Well, what's real and and what's really funny about this one too is the last line when he gets his uh, when he gets his you know it was beauty killed the beast. It doesn't have the resonance of the, it. Makes me think, no asshole, it was you. <laughs> you killed the beast. <laughs> 
Definitely wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Well, there's nobody to hear him say it either. So that that right that delivery seems a little awkward to me at the end of the movie. Well, you know? because he's not because in the about original it, really. one, you know, it's said, and then you know there's the, the, the newsboys, you know, oh. the newsboys are right there to pick up on it, and hey, yeah, yeah, let's run with that angle type of thing. And there's there's really none of that with this one, and so yeah. it, yeah. It, it he gets the last word. He, yeah. Well, yeah, he gets the last word, but it's who gives a shit. <laughs> Your whole life right. is over. Yeah. It's kind of it's even more depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny, though, but at least unlike Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson knew to, like, two seconds later, you're looking at directed by Peter Jackson. It's like, oh, he knew how to end this. You know? Oh, stop. How else well, would you have you ended know. Lord of the Rings? I, well, yeah. I, actually, he he trimmed out a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of that with a, stuff. With but... a musical number, Hobbits Rock. Oh fuck you, Scott! <laughs> <laughs> but Don't you know, say there it. Now been, it's gonna happen. <laughs> there could have been twenty minutes of character resolution at the end of this, which mercifully didn't happen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get to see the extended. No, it's. Extended but, well, I mean, look, cut. the main characters were Kyle and. Jack and Kong. So once yeah. we get back to New York, that's all we care about. And the two that's of them hugging on top of the Empire State Building. Oh, okay. This is my biggest pet peeve with the movie. I fucking hate heights. As soon as that goddamn monkey and planes were gone, I would have been back down to the lobby so goddamn fast and make your head spin. I wouldn't be kissing on top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> Well, I guess if you're on top of the Empire State Building with a hot blonde, it's it should be a matter of principle that like I would. I, I would be like, let's have sex right here. You join the Mile yeah. High Club in a plane, not on top of a building. <laughs> How often do you find yourself on the literal top of the Empire? You, they couldn't even have been there because King Kong like evened it out when he took the antenna off the top of it. So, no. <laughs> no. So it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You see, I I have no problem with heights, although I'm sure if I was stay, you you I I don't know if I'm. I will get myself to places where there's heights, but if you get up too high to where you can see down, your body just automatically goes into that. Whoa. Oh, I get the total jelly leg, and I used right. to have to check roofs for one of my jobs, and it was like, oof, didn't want to lean over the edge. You're standing on top of the Empire State Building. A good stiff breeze could be. That's the other thing. The end of it, yeah. <laughs> Well, I always have a problem with movies that that do, you know, something that happens in this one is uh, where the ladder comes loose on Anne and then falls back and she's dangling, you know, first by two hands and then by one hand. You know, it's it's something similar to that, you know, like that happens in uh, in Spider-Man three, you know, where the same type of thing, a, a, a piece of metal comes loose. And Gwen Stacy's like dangling over, you know, this giant precipice by a hand and everything. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'd be so sweaty palmed by that point that I'd just plummet to my death. Because there's no way, you know, you you could hang on. You know, (laughs) I mean, I I think that's just natural human reaction that, you know, your your body just kicks in that way. And you get this whole sweaty palm thing. You're, you know, you're not going to be able to hold on. Oh, my hand would be a vice grip until it completely let go. (laughs) 
I gotta tell you, my if survival I sur- instinct would kick in. Plus, I mean, it's, she's a chick. She what does she weigh? Like maybe like a hundred pounds in this. It's not like my tubby ass holding on at, at two hundred thirty pounds. Gravity's pulling on me a lot more. <laughs> There'll just be two arms gripped onto it, and your the rest of your torso would be tumbling. But the, the the thing the thing about it is, if I were her, and I was like, God damn it, I survived Skull Island with two. You know, Tyrannosaurus Rex fighting over me. I'm not going to be killed by a stupid ladder in New York City, yeah. you know? Uh, I would be just like, no, screw that, man. I had some, you know, two two Tyrannosauruses and then whatever that, you know, extra big-headed Tyrannosaurus was and centipedes and, and all that, you know, there's just no way I'm going to let this kill me. There's almost nothing that I would let kill me in America. <laughs> <laughs> it would be close to Skull Island, you know? So, so I, I, I thought that part was just a little over the top. I didn't need it. You know, it was just like, just let her climb, you know, but Peter Jackson seems to feel sometimes that he's got to do every iteration, you know, Oh, what if a, a stray bullet took out the bolt on the ladder? And, you know, so then that leads to the whole gag of Kong catching her and, and all that, which was neat, but it just, it wasn't needed. You know, at that point, at that point, that's where I would have been playing it lean and mean but I, before i i would like with all these complaints i would like to maybe um switch to what our favorite what we thought like the best my favorite part which i'm just introducing myself to get to say it is uh when he he goes into central park and finds the ice oh, yeah. Yeah, on the on the lake yeah. that that was a part in the movie that part actually choked me up in the movie theater i was just like it really felt like a gorilla. Exp- you could tell he'd never seen ice before in his life. Yeah. And was just like, what the hell is this? And then he started playing just like a monkey would. And I was just like, this is awesome. And the way and the way he ends it with the, you know, the shell strike, you have this beautiful, quiet moment in the middle of New York City. No people around. It's just this magical moment. And then, boom, a shell hits. It was and then the chaos starts and then he's back on the street tearing shit up the traffic shots in this of new york city of traffic chaos were some of the most awesome traffic snarl up since the days of chips <laughs> well i just like seeing vintage cast wreck <laughs> and i mean not just wrecked but wrecked and speaking of of reading kong's face the the scene where he gets a look at uh, Adrian Brody in the car. Oh, he's pissed. Oh, my God. That was just one of the... I, I mean, if I were Adrian Brody, I would have lost five pounds down the leg of my trousers <laughs> right at that second, you know? Yeah. That that would have I would have been just like, I am dog meat. <laughs> Very well played. What about you, Scott? What was your... Uh... I, I think I'd have to agree the the scene in in Central Park with the ice and everything. Although I really like, um, the scene you know, kind of in Kong's lair, you know, out on Kong's balcony, so to speak, where he's he's almost sort of ignoring her. You know, he's he's acting like kind of like the 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 jilted jealous boyfriend. You know, like you know you. You tried to run away from me. I'm going to I'm going to pretend I don't see. He keeps turning away from her. You know, and she keeps trying to gain his attention and just 
the, you can see the look, you can see the looks on his face and then her reaction shots that she's starting to figure out that, you know, this guy's complex. He's almost human. You know, he, he has emotions and, and she's starting to figure it out. I liked those yeah. scenes, you know, the scenes where she's really starting to, to kind of warm up to him, you know, and, and realize that he actually is, you know, more than just, you know, this giant beast that he actually has feelings and emotions and he, he's an, he's a complex being. I liked those moments a lot in the movie. And well, I, I think that they're just ultimately he, the, you know, the ultimate exemplification of that is the scene in, in, you know, on the ice in central park. When, when he went to sleep and put her in his hand, yeah, too. yeah, ex- was, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's very yeah. simian. Like I, I remember seeing this one documentary about people who had chimps and eventually had to give them up. And this one guy got reunited after like twenty years with his pet chimp. And you know, he was talking about when, when chimps go to sleep, if they're around anybody, you know, in their chimp family or who they consider family. They grab, they grab onto you. They'll, they'll like hold your hand, or they'll they'll physically touch you while they're asleep, so that you're not going anywhere without waking them up. You know, they want to know where you are. And I got the feeling that that's what he, King Kong, was doing with her. He's like, I'll let her sleep in my hand, so that way I know she's safe. You know, right? And that I thought that was a really nice touching Kong moment. Touching Kong. <laughs> Chris, you already yeah. told us what your favorite moment was. What didn't you? Did I? Did I already forget it? Me, Somebody mentioned. What? Yeah. Uh, pretty much Kong Kong laughing like a bastard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I uh, when that poor schmuck <laughs> gets pulled into nothingness by a giant crab leg from that pit. <laughs> oh yeah, great stuff. Uh, and then him beating the snot out of the dinosaurs. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. No, you can't. You you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. One thing I pretty much any like, any way that Kong is showing either extreme, any extreme emotion is what does it for me in this one. I really like the uh, the Protoceratops in this because that was one of those monsters. I'm pretty sure that, that we were kind of promised in the original one, but they they never really delivered on. And uh, it was it's always been one of those. Dinosaurs, I always thought was really cool. Anyway, so to see it, you know, really nicely rendered in this, you know, where it really looks realistic, and uh, and chases them around and gives them, you know, I think I'm pretty sure that's the first monster they encounter in the movie, if I'm not mistaken. I, I liked that part quite a bit. That was that was bef- kind of before the dinosaurs became uh, that. See, that's the funny thing with this is that you know you go from the '76 one that doesn't have any dinosaurs to this one where I feel like there's too many. It's like Jurassic Park on steroids. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, I like it, but it, it, it's it, there's a couple of scenes where I just felt like, okay, this is going. It's a little too much. You know, this movie is. Uh, it, it, it's it, it kind of suffers a little bit from almost like a like a Phantom Menace, you know, Star Wars prequel trilogy syndrome, where he just needed somebody to rein him in a little bit. He just needed yeah, somebody to kind of go, "Hey, Pete, you know this this scene just you know why don't you trim it by about twenty minutes, you know, or 
why don't why don't you have like fifteen fewer brontosauruses or something? You know that sort of thing. Because there, there's just a couple of scenes where it's going right along, it's pretty good, and then it just goes off the rails a little bit because the the brontosaurus is like tripping over each other and flailing and jumping and falling off cliffs it was just a little much for me there's some of that it, you know in the in the the two uh you know t-rex is swinging back and forth all spider-man like in the big cat's cradle it just it, it looks cool at the beginning of the scene, but by the end of the scene, I'm like, I don't know. This feels like a cartoon. It, there was just a little bit too much of that, and it felt braggerish, you know? Like, like look what we can do, you know? Look at the amazing I'm, stuff I'm we can do with this can. CGI now. We, we can render everything. And it's like, sometimes I don't, I don't really want to see everything because, you know, it, it goes from a wow factor to a... Eh, okay, factor, you know, and and there was just a little bit too much of that with Skull Island. Skull Island, you know, should be the 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 really wowing part of the movie as far as you know the the dinosaurs and the effects and the peril. In in this version of Kong, it's it's the part of the movie I could do without. It's it's the part of the movie that if the next time I watch this, I'll skip right past it. Because I like the I like the lead up to getting to the island, and I like once we're in New York and everything that happens there. The whole middle thing with Skull Island, I don't know. I it, frankly it bores me, and the whole Bug Valley thing. I was like, now I can kind of understand why that was excised from the thirty three Kong. Oh no, because it just does it doesn't work for for me. It doesn't work. I, I was creeped out by it, which I guess yeah. is what it's supposed to do. Yeah. But I mean, I was creeped out by it, but it was also a little bit like, all right, I don't need the kitchen sink, too. You know what I mean? I, That's I got, what it is. Yeah. It, it's the kitchen sink mentality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I appreciate what he was trying to do because I really do think he was trying to give you everything that they couldn't do in 33. You know, yes, he was trying to homage the 33 Kong, but I think he was also trying to go okay, in that version, they couldn't give you this, I'm going to give it to you. They also couldn't render this, I'm going to do that one too. And by the end of it, it's like, all right, dude, why didn't you pick one part that the 33 didn't have and do that rather than do them all, you know, in in <laughs> one some. shot? Because then it's just a little bit of overload. I, I don't know, but that that's my opinion, you know? It makes it it makes it sound like I'm I I didn't like it or like I'm too down on it. I I really want to reiterate the fact that I liked it a hell of a lot better the second time around. I was actually really surprised how much more I liked it the second time around. It's just it it still is too long and and really needs a serious trim. There's just a couple of scenes that I would I would just take right the hell out of the movie, and and I think it would flow a lot better. And and all those scenes, all of them are on Skull Island. I have a question for you guys that watched the Extendo version. Did it have a scene with a snake in it? A snake. Specifically a snake? No, not that with I can Kong think of. fighting a snake. In the water? And, well, they had that snake in the water, but I was wondering if they, like, tried, if he tried to, like, redo the 76 a little bit oh, with the snake no, scene no. in it. No. I would, I was. As a matter I of was, fact, uh, no. the. I'm surprised. Uh, the Kong on the on the Overlook 
um, was actually redone to be bats. And, and I don't know if that's in the one you watched or if it was just in the extended. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that. It was kind of cool, but at the same rate, I, I kind of felt like, well, here's one part of the movie where I really wanted you to homage the the original one completely and and do it up with your you know wonderful CGI ness, and he just made it Kong fighting a bunch of bats rather than Kong fighting um, a pterodactyl. What do you call it? Pterodactyls. So it was weird. Some of his some of his choices were really odd, and I would love to see like a you know like a documentary or something explaining some of the the choices because. It's weird. There's so much of this movie that feels to me like like he was trying to do what they did with Psycho a few years ago where they had that like shot per shot remake of it. And then there was other areas where he was like, nah, I'm just I'm going to go off in left field and do something completely different. And it's like, oh, you know, all right. And some of those scenes are really jarring, you know, where, where it feels like so completely faithful right up to the moment where it goes off into left field. And you know what I mean? Maybe it's just a, it's because we're watching this, these in rapid succession one after another that you notice when it does diverge that much more. Maybe that's it. I don't know. That's why I'm, that's why I sort of liked watching them in rapid succession. I like seeing the, getting the comparison to them because as I've watched these movies, as I watched all the Kongs individually, there were I've never watched them. I've never had like a King Kong marathon and watched all three of them, you know, like this month. And it gives you insight into all the movies by watching, you know, by watching all of them. Right. It it actually like enhances it for me. It enhances the experience. Uh, I I'm like actually with all three King Kong, you know the. The prototype King Kong, the, you know, tentpole King Kong movies, the three that exist. I'm happy with all three of them as King Kong movies. None of them, I think, have failed in. I I don't know if that's just a testament to the story of King Kong or the fact that after the first one that, you know, they always make sure that there's a certain amount of expertise put into a King Kong movie. But they all they all stand up to you know to the the story you know they all they all are perfectly like i could watch any one of the king kong movies when i'm feeling like i need some giant monkey and i'll be equally satisfied with all of them you know i'll get it from all of them in a different way it's it's a it's a rare thing in remake world of movies you know well it's it's one of those things and i think we kind of we we were kind of sort of touching on this we were kind of sort of headed this way in a conversation in a prior episode and then i think we tangented it off into something else but we we kind of touched on the fact that this movie has now sort of hit upon that realm of being almost a um not quite fairy tale but just it, it's now a classic you know what i mean that, an and i'm not talking story. about necessarily any version of the movie so much as the basic story you know Girl gets taken to Ireland, you know, giant monkey falls in love with her, comes to New York, meets his meets his doom kind of thing. It, it's now become mythic in the sense that, you know, every few years somebody remakes a Frankenstein movie. You know, some of them are great. Some of them suck. 
but the basic story is always more or less the same. And the, and the basic story is one of those, like everybody knows it type of things, but you can tell it in slightly different ways, you know, to, to cert, you know, to suit whatever interpretation you want to give or whatever personal spin you want to give. I think King Kong's now fallen into that realm. You know what I mean? Where everybody kind of knows the story and so we'll probably continue to get remakes of this every 20, 30 years, you know, where some somebody comes along that wants to, you know, do their slightly different, you know, vision or version of it, you know. And, and you know, it's neat that there still are stories coming along that will become part of, you know, the like like the 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 neo classics, you know, you know, the the neo uh I guess kind of fairy tales, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, even stories that we look at as fairy tales today aren't necessarily all, you know, sweetness and light. You know, some of them may have been lightened up, like, say, Snow White, for example, you know, was lightened up, you know, with the Disney interpretation. But the original version of that movie, or that uh, story, rather, is a pretty brutal morality tale, you know? So, you know, that sort of thing. So... You know, we've we've seen that with Kong. You know, the original Kong was a very violent, shocking movie of its time. Then it kind of got tempered in the 70s. And then you come back with this one. And that was another cool thing for me watching this 2005 version. And one of the things I really didn't like seeing it in the theater was what I felt was I, I thought it was too graphic. I thought it was too violent. I was really, really thankful that I hadn't taken my youngest son with me at the time to go see it because I was afraid it would have shocked him. But say, you know, again, watching these in rapid succession now, I see that Jackson really made those decisions, I'm sure, because he was trying to get back to the shock value that the original movie must have had to 30s audiences you know with with some really graphic violence and stuff which is what you got in the 2000 i see i'd forgotten that because i'm familiar with the 76 version which is very tempered you know of of the three of them that's the one that that really you know really lacks the bite and it's odd because that's at a time when a lot of pg movies like that would have been a lot more violent or sexed up or you know what I mean, it's pg movies got away with murder in the well, 70s put, you know i'll put it this way i'm sure they were expecting a lot more kids at kong 76 and you did get his body get chunks of meat getting taken out of him at the end and the snake getting torn apart so i think those were maybe you know it was more like making it shocking towards kids <laughs> in that one where right. this one where this one, you know, this has this has some pretty has a few had like a few moments where I was just like, oh, whoa, that was gory, you know? Right, yeah. Oh yeah, Kong biting the tongue out of the T Rex, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is awesome because that's you know, I mean, if it was really realistic, he would have like chewed somebody's ripped somebody's face off at some point, but <laughs> testicles, eyes, and hands. <laughs> Where, yeah, where yeah. he's chasing them to the beach, there was a moment which, which, again, I thought was probably an homage to the 33 version where he does pick up somebody and chomp them and then he throws them down. And it yeah. kind of looked like he might have ripped them in two, like like he had bitten like the top half of them off 
before he threw him down, but it was it was so quick, it was hard to tell exactly what happened, other than he picked somebody up, put him in his mouth, and then a second later threw him to the ground. I, I definitely caught that. But it was it's real. I mean, it's one of those blink and you miss it type of things. But it's as he's chasing them right to the water's edge just before Jack Black throws that bottle of chloroform in, into his nose, you know? It, it's that scene. But I think that was the only person he actually chomped, whereas, you know, in the 33, when he was eating people left and right, you know? <laughs> just sort of chewing them and spitting them out, doing that weird gum chewing yeah. like Pete Hesh used to do when his dentures were out. Gooming. Gooming, yeah. Used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's the official term, I believe. But, yeah, I mean, oh, what a what a satisfying month this has been, you know? Absolutely. And I was, I was kind of afraid that people wouldn't be with us on King Kong, but it appears there seems to be a lot of people who love the monkeys. And for the rest of them, don't worry. Don't worry, all the regular Two True Freaks stuff is is coming up next month. It's back to format, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we've got some good stuff coming up. We got, uh, you know, Star Wars Monthly Monday. We're getting back into the Star Wars comics and Indiana Jones, and now we've got a really good Star Trek Monthly Monday coming along, which has actually been recorded and in the can for quite a while. So it would be nice to get that one out there. We have a special guest for that, and then uh, just whatever else the month brings. Who knows what what's gonna what else is gonna happen next month? I think I'm reading uh, Starman comics. For oh yeah, comics that's right. Monday, yeah, mo- Monday. I think that's that's something some people are. I I guess it, I hear it's something I should be looking forward to. So you, um, I think you'll dig it. I really do. I'm a little worried that that we're covering. Uh, isn't it the first chapter that we're covering? It's. It, I have the first trade paperback, so yeah. Probably, yeah it is I'm hoping that's good enough to whet your interest because that is a phenomenal series. I just can't remember whether it starts strong or not. You know what I mean? I, it seems to me uh-huh. that it's. It was a slow build to a point where where you found yourself okay. Now I'm like officially hooked on this type of thing, but I can't remember if it comes right out of the gate swinging or not. Something tells me it doesn't, that it's it's kind of a slow build. So, like I say, I, I'm hoping it's enough to, to, to suck you in with just the first trade. Because I know you would love that series. It was only 80 issues, you know, and, and it was phenomenal because it tells one story over those 80. It's not like, you know, like we're covering, you know, Star Wars and Star Wars was 107 issues. It's, you know, but it was... You know, a story arc here, an individual issue here. You know, and it, it was nobody's vision. I mean, that that book was someone's vision from issue one to issue, or actually issue zero. From issue zero to issue 80, the guy had a plan. He knew exactly what that story was going to be, and he told it, and, and you know, it, it has a beginning, middle, and end. And that's what I, I like about it. It's phenomenal. I like stuff like that. And, uh, uh, and also looking into the future... Even further in the future than July into August is when Star Wars Celebration happens. Yes. And oh man, I, I just to gloat about Garage Shalen, I got a Japanese air raid siren. 
you know, a handheld from World Siren? War Two. It, it 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 will. I I wish I could take it and fire it up for you guys to listen to. I'll dub it in because I did actually tape it because I had to have a tape of it before it leaves my hands. But let's just say I got it. I got it for twenty bucks at a garage sale, and it came within fifteen dollars of paying my rent this month. So that means I'm well on my. That means that's given me a nice little jump at the exact time that I need that jump in money to buy my ticket to Orlando, Florida, <laughs> which is the only thing that I need to do to do it. So it's and. And there's rumors that there may be a Two True Freaks Star Wars panel, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, so you know it's not too early for us to start talking about it. And you, hero, you're going to be there too. Yeah, I should, you, uh, like I said, hella high water. I'll be. And you were there, hero. And you were there, Scott. <laughs> you were, you were there? all there. Oh my god. But uh, so anybody who's maybe on the fence or didn't know about it or who's thinking of going. Get a hold of Two True Freaks, and uh, we'll hook up at, at Star Wars Celebration. Yes. I yes. think we got a show. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that Two True Freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to TwoTrueFreaks.Libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener, it's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today.
Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.